Hi, I'm Max, and you're listening to the Alleviating Poverty Through Entrepreneurship podcast. Most of the organizations we talk to for this podcast tend to be small startups, but this week we're looking at a group that operates on a pretty incredible scale. Global Brigade's founder, Steve Atamian, is fond of saying that they send more people abroad each year than the Peace Corps does. Global Brigades has been able to expand its development work to four different countries, and they owe this success largely to the grassroots chapters that have cropped up around college campuses. In fact, Global Brigade's volunteers are almost entirely students going on short-term trips, and this doesn't seem like a scalable model, but it certainly served them well. When we sat down with Steve this week, the first thing I wanted to know was how they got so big and how they got started. The short story is, is there were a, a group of students from Marquette University that had uh, gone down to Honduras for to do a participate in a medical program with an organization called Sociedad Amigos de los Niños. Um, and they had been, the, the nonprofit in Honduras had been doing medical relief work in remote areas ever since Hurricane Mitch in the early 90s. Uh, and those groups of students went down there uh, and decided that, you know, they wanted to do more and, and actually formalize a club on their campus to be able to go back, um, you know, year after year and, and support these communities with the medical relief work. And so Glory had started as a, very much as a medical relief organization. And I went down on, I think it was the second or third um, medical brigade with that group. And we, uh, you know, knew the limitations of, of just having this one group of students go down and, and doing this work, you know, as a one-off group with this, with this nonprofit. And so we said, well, wouldn't it be great if other students from, and this is again like 2003, 2004, when um, a lot of these types of programs really didn't, weren't as formal. So um, at that point we said, uh, wouldn't it be great if there were other students from all these other campuses that could um, go down and uh, support and working with these community partners when that Marquette group wasn't there and that we can spread and, and go to these communities every three to four months with local doctors and supply them with medicine and everything else. And so uh, I went back to my alma mater and started it and uh, had some friends at University of Michigan and, uh, and back at U- USC where I went and we set up chapters there and um, after, and it, we just basically created an infrastructure for where students could latch on to the mission and, and created a step-by-step guide. We always say, we joke that empowerment is a step-by-step guide, uh, but uh, it really is. And if you just give people clarity on, you know, how they can help and how they can latch on to your mission uh, it, it, and really empower them to, you know, make that difference and be that change, then uh, we saw that students were interested in that, obviously, all over the country. And um, with very little marketing, we just word of mouth, uh, more and more students started setting up these chapters, and we were able to hire our own full-time uh, Honduran uh, team members. Global Brigades has since expanded from its medical origins to include a whole variety of development projects. Over the course of a few years of doing medical work, uh, and, and or I would just refer to it as medical relief work, really at that time, uh, we uh, the students and talking with the communities and the local team said, well, let's start getting addressing a lot more of the the systemic, um, you know, issues of poverty in these communities. And uh, so we started, you know, different types of brigades other than medical ones, like water brigades and business brigades and and empowering other types of students um, from different majors to go down and participate in these other programs. So over time, uh, that trickled, 
into creating this movement for global health and development. And uh, we developed out over the time uh, 10 programs and we can offer and work in partnership with these communities on a variety of different projects and uh, really move the needle in, in these communities to a point where um, you know, we can transition out to not even really have student brigades there anymore, but just kind of lead and manage relationships with just the just the local team. So that's kind of where we are. And uh, we expanded to um, Nicaragua and Panama in Central America. And then we're in, in Western Africa and Ghana. And we don't really have much other intention of growing any more than that in the near future in ter terms of countries, um, just because we have a very limited amount of community partners that really um, that that need a lot of resources to to meet those development goals and and so if we grow too fast beyond that it really uh, stretches those resources thin and we're not able to make as much impact as possible. Because of the short term nature of their trips, Global Brigade's success is pretty much dependent on them getting a steady flow of volunteers. And I wanted to know how they've managed it. I would say there was there was a few major major things. It, it really is a student led movement, and when I say that. Um, the, we have a position within our organization called the campus chair people. And, and so at any given club, like at Ohio state, I think there are several different global brigades chapters. There's a medical rates chapter and there's, there might be a water or a dental or whatever else. And so those student leaders nominate one campus chairperson to kind of be the, the or, uh, coordinator of all of the, between all of these different chapters and those chair people, um, vote on the organization's budget. They see line item by line item, all of those things. They vote on where surplus funds go. They help us make decisions on how we expand programming, how we improve programming, how we implement curriculum. Uh, we have a really small staff. We don't, we, we, in the U.S., like in North America, we only have uh, five, six team members that are actually full-time employees of the organization. Uh, and it's really this volunteer movement and driven. Uh, and then obviously we hire dozens, if not, you know, I think there's maybe almost 100 local employees like Hondurans and Panamanians and Ghanaians. Um, but that's the difference is that, you know, we are, are really our organization is very decentralized here in the state, here in North America and Europe with just this very small team and creating an infrastructure for empowerment for these students to, to then uh, implement these projects. And so, uh, um, you know, we're, we have this very decentralized, you know, viral movement here, but a very centralized, uh, cohesive unit and team down where in the communities and where the projects are happening. And so that hybrid approach keeps our are just the overall cost of the organization down to a minimum uh, and really drives the mission of the organization, which is obviously to one, to empower as many students as possible, but two, to, to impact uh, the communities in the most meaningful way. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't think that there's a, a really a, a quite an organization like Global Brigades in that, you know, there might be a, someone similar that is offering a global health program or there might be someone similar doing a business program, but I, I don't, I haven't found any other organization that that really has this more holistic approach and engages volunteers, student volunteers particularly, in so many different types of projects and can really work with communities to address so many different uh, challenges and opportunities. But as Steve talked about all these complex engineering and microfinance and medical projects they ran in these communities, the thought that kept running through my head was, why college students? 
<laughs> um, and it's almost why exclusively college students too, right? We've actually, um, you know, we've really stayed focused on that uh, on college students. Well, because we are we're student led we're a student led movement. You know, it's uh, the the chair people, the presidents. Um, it's it's our niche. It's what we've spent the last ten years on developing programs that are around their specific skill sets and preparing them to do. Um, it's a very unique audience that that we have. Um, developed an expertise around and uh, it's really become a core competency of us and really our, our largest strength is is around that audience and and who that audience is and so even though that like now I'm like 10 years out of school because we started 10 years ago and I just graduated um, we still have you know you know we still lean on our students to make the, the strategic decisions for our organization um, and you know Frankly, and I know this might be controversial, but I, I think that college students, from my experience, and I and I have gotten to spend a lot of time in Latin America and in Africa over the last ten years, and and seeing other community projects, and and students, I think if prepared properly, can go in with with very with a lot of humility and ready to listen to community needs and ask and see a, diff, a different perspective of, of an idealistic perspective uh, with what the community assets the community has. And aren't going to go in there with a mentality of oh, I know what's best. I'm going to build this and we're going to leave. But that want to have the dialogue that can can work alongside communities. And 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 from the community's perspective, they love working with students. They they they, they their guard goes down. You know, it's not this you know this you know this this more you know real professional coming in there and and um, it, it's that there's that that cultural exchange and that learning. Uh, it's that free flow of information. It's it's sometimes easier with students and and the and and if again if prepared right um, from both the community side they, they just love it and they, they love seeing you know like you talk about culture shock you're talking about you know in some of these uh, communities to see like uh, a 19 year old university uh, female from Wisconsin in there with a pickaxe in this community digging. It's it's something special about that, and it motivates the men and the women in those communities to get in there and help, and to work with them, and to be a part of that. And it's it's fun, it, and uh, it's something that not only um, are we able to do. I feel we're able to do very effective development work with that because of our again because of the support that we put in place with the on the ground professionals and local teams. But we're also not able to do that. We're able to measure our success on the hearts and minds that we're able to change. We're able to work. We're able to inspire students to maybe change their major and something they're more passionate about, or maybe go into business, but have be more socially minded and more globally minded when they're making their business decisions or type of company they're working for. Steve said that students' enthusiasm is the main reason their organization has been able to keep growing. It's their own initiative to go on the campus, to set up flyers, to hold info sessions. Uh, word, and, and it's really word of mouth. You know, I think that you can have really cool marketing materials and really cool videos, but what Global Brigades has really grown on is just an, a really amazing experience in country. Uh, students come back saying oh, that was a life-changing experience. Uh, and they tell their friends and they see their pictures on Facebook and, and, and that's how we've grown. We have really invested hardly anything over the years in any type of marketing. You'll never see a commercial for Global Brigades or, or anything like that. It's really just we invest in our programs. We, we, make, we try to make each program as impactful as possible to use every moment of the time uh, that those volunteers are there to make as most impact as possible and, and within the limits of what we can do um, as 
with our in our skill sets, and I think that that's that's what drives it. And and the, and the, I think it's also the the flexibility of the students to say, this is the program I want to do. You know, this is what program I want to lead. They don't have the national organization micromanaging them on how to run their meetings. They you know they don't have the national organization telling them they have to do you know X Y Z. We care that they show up with prepared and with an open mind and you know with and ready to partner and and. Uh, with these communities, and uh, that's all we care about is is that 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 mentality is uh, instilled in them, and that they're able to make the most impact as possible when they're there. Part of the challenge with using college students, Steve says, is ensuring that the projects they tackle are within their abilities, both practically and ethically. It's really the what we really focus a lot of our energy on uh, is making sure that every program is not beyond the skill sets of the volunteers to do harm, right? But not, but meaningful enough to provide value to the communities, and so really every project and there's like I've mentioned the ten programs of global Reads, Each one is really thoughtful in that approach. So, for instance, with our our largest program is our medical brigades program. Uh, so obviously, students aren't licensed doctors. Undergraduate students aren't licensed doctors. They can't go there and prescribe medicine and, and treat patients and do all these things. But they, by going and mobilizing and fundraising for their for their project, were able and they they're able to also either bring down uh, doctors or we most of the time uh, that that can team with our Honduran doctors that, that are our team members full time to go down uh, the fundraise from medicines and they're able to shadow uh, the doctors. Um, they're able to work and the help the pharmacy. They're able to help with triage, line control. They can hold workshops for with the the student uh, with the kids in the community uh, to help on different public health issues. So it's they go in these communities and they run these medical remote medical clinics, and they, it takes a lot of coordination and organizing. And the students are the ones doing that. Uh, even though they're not the ones actually doing the med, you know, uh, handing out, you know, actually prescribing the medicine or doing something unethical, um, and and that is the basis of all of our our programs. Like so, for another example is, um, you know, with our our newest program we're launching is is going to be called Engineering Brigades, and it hasn't launched yet. It's our tenth and probably final program that Global Brigades creates for a long time, and uh, we've been reluctant to to create this program for a while because we recognize the challenges of, of actually taking on engineering projects uh, and learning from some of the challenges and, and successes that uh, organizations like Engineers Without Borders have had. And, um, and you know, for us, it made more sense to, you know, work with and create an experience that didn't necessarily have these students develop an engineering project from scratch, but uh, work with our local engineers to understand and have create an, an educational environment that that let them understand how the projects were developed to do some of the pre-screenings of these communities to see what the plans were going to be to do some of the follow-up with water projects after the fact to do some of those testing to help fix projects as they may be you know becoming uh, more dated and so you know really looking at each project uh, and understanding the scale or the scope of the skills that the students are having and considering that when when developing the program is is really 90% of the battle and it's all about creating low you know finding low hanging fruit fruit uh, fruit in the community you know finding where are those areas that just a little bit of of, of uh, motivation and support can help that community just to get them um, ignite whatever project is and then the, then from then on it's really the community and the local teams that really drive things forward 
Unlike a lot of similar nonprofits, Global Brigade's missions have definite end goals, and I wanted to know when to decide it's time to move out of a community. Uh, we changed the name to Sustainable Transition uh, because we don't ever fully leave uh, one of the communities we're working in. We stop doing brigades there. Um, and, and even then, we still, in a lot of cases, we'll still occasionally run a medical brigade in a particular community. But it's mostly in reference to like our sustainable development projects, like our clean water projects or our microfinance programs, um, our public health projects, is that in that once the, in, I'll use microfinance as an example this time. So once the, the community bank is established, and we are local teams establish those local community banks, and they're set up by uh, local community leaders that we train and organize and, and have them actually register uh, their their little community banks. And once those those trainings are done, once our the brigaders um, go into those uh, families, uh, meet with a lot of different families, help them work out on their business their small business plans for either business brigades and microfinance brigades working together, doing financial literacy workshops, uh, setting up uh, their loan applications. Um, and, and after you're there for a year or two in those communities, uh, the bank, using the, the, the funds that the students are contributing, plus reserve funds from the end of the year, we're able to um, capitalize the community banks to the point where we don't need the, the brigades there to fund the, the banks and that they have enough money to just perpetuate um, their, their, and to run their, their loan programs or whatever it may be. But we can't and we haven't exited or transitioned out of communities that, that don't have that we haven't met all of the the development goals from so we will meet with them because we have the 10 programs we meet with the communities and say um okay we're our goal is in the next year or two we're going to have a water project we're going to have a water system in the community piped water system into the community we're going to have a public health infrastructure in all of the homes um we're meaning like concrete floors and eco stoves uh, latrines. We're going to have a, a functioning community bank. We're going to have community health workers here full time, um, and that's those are the main objectives of that's what we want to accomplish over the next year. So we set out that plan. We make that plan, and then we bring in the students that match up to those programs and those goals. And once those things are accomplished, that's when it transitions to maintenance and follow up. With so many volunteer groups coming and going, I wanted to know how Global Brigades ensured there is continuity in their projects. Steve says the key is their local staff. You can look at Global Brigades probably more accurately to depict it as a, a local, for instance, in, like I said, we're in four countries, so a local Honduran NGO that, that receives volunteers to help perpetuate projects. Probably that's a more accurate depiction than saying that we're a volunteer organization sending volunteers abroad. Um, so it's really the, the volunteers come to take, help take a project from point, point B to point C or from point D to F or D to E. But without those teams on the ground that are doing the follow-up and, and creating and preparing the community um, and providing technical assistance year-round, it, it really is really tough. And the other thing that really separates us is it's really hard to do and meet those goals with just one group. And we found that uh, having a lot of different groups go to the same community over the course of the year really helps the keep the momentum for the project going. And because of our scale, um, meaning you know, because we have so many university clubs for these groups, we we can accomplish that, and we can be in a few communities at a time and uh, and help and drive those goals um, together. It's those on the ground staff that help ensure that Global Brigade's projects are built to last.
the, a lot of the critique of aid is that is you have these these um, aid work in general. You have a group of foreigners that come in, they build a water system, they don't uh, do a lot of community capacity building beforehand. Uh, they don't identify community leaders to train them, and if they do, there's no incentive, and that's a key. There's no incentive for the community leaders other than to have the water, but there's no financial way to keep them engaged, to, to pay for them, to maintain the systems. And without that, it, it's uh, without that on the, on those on-the-ground teams and without really building the capacity of those communities to, to take ownership of those projects, it's, it's this, the well is going to break. And because those, those, those NGOs may not have the resources to do all the follow-up, and because follow-up is, a, is not a sexy funding source, it's hard to get money to do follow-up. It's easy to do innovative, it's easy to get money to do really innovative work, quote-unquote, and really be, you know, pilot things. But it's not easy to get money for probably the most important thing, which is going and doing repairs. The way Global Brigades came to work with their current four countries, Honduras, Nicaragua, Panama, and Ghana, has been a long and winding road, Steve says. In Honduras, we had inherited a lot of those relationships through our, our how we started with Sociedad Amigos de los Niños, who I mentioned them before. So they had been working with a lot of those communities for years and years and years, um, doing medical relief after Mitch. And so um, we had were very fortunate to, to have had those. And actually what we found was to do development projects to have that relationship through medical brigades is an amazing way to enter the relationship in the community because you built that trust, you've identified community leaders, you know you you have baseline data on those communities to see what health issues they they're having. You can see that okay, they have a lot of respiratory illnesses. Okay, let's verify why do they have a lot of respiratory illnesses? Because okay, they they have they don't have chimneys in their homes and they're cooking in their houses so they need eco stoves, right? So uh, entering with medical brigades is, is has been really a strategy of ours. Uh, it also fits well to us because the majority of our chapters are medical brigades chapters, so that just happens to work out. Um, but so in Honduras, we inherited those. In in Ghana, we uh, that was the last country that we that we uh, came into. We actually took a different approach where um, we we talked a lot with the government and said, okay, where are the holes that you'd like to fill? Where are the most, where is the most need? And we partnered with local municipalities and said, uh, well, first we went to the, actually the head of the department of health and he gave us the list. We went down to the local level, started saying who, who basically who wants to partner with us um, and, and where are your current needs and identifying the scope of projects that we would do that would complement their work. Um, and so uh, I think that it really depends on the relationships that you have and the and the strengths that you have in the in the relationships you have um, that, that your local team has, um, and uh, but that's again it w- it wasn't as much. Um, I think that it, those are very much relationship based. Uh, they're very much we we develop needs assessments and uh, surveys uh, to 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 do and to quantify those needs and assets, not just needs but assets mapping. Uh, to identify those, and it's really just a matter of uh, slowly but surely building those relationships with the with the community leaders, uh, making sure that obviously that they want these projects and they're going to be driving these projects, uh, and um, and starting slow, and you know starting with a medical brigade and seeing if they're able to bring you know market that well and and see if they're the, the families are actually going to show up for it and. Uh, and you know, after the second or third medical brigade, it becomes they were like, "Wait, you guys aren't going anywhere." Yeah, no, we're here, and and we can also do other projects, and just and and really slowly uh, building out those other those other ideas. But communities are are um, that's the last of our 
challenges right now. There are too many, I mean, too many community partners needing too many of our development programs. Um, so uh, we, we've been doing medical relief work in these communities for the last 10 years, and there's literally a list of about 100 that are really waiting uh, to get the water, to get the microfinance, to get at the other programs, but we can't because we don't have enough students yet for those other programs. The best thing about using college students, Steve says, is that they can help shake communities out of the feeling of being globally isolated. One of the biggest things that these, these, these community members, especially in Ghana, have told us, um, actually all over have told us, is that one of the main things that they feel they suffer from is, is isolationism. Is that, is that you, would you just rather have the money to do this project or do you want to actually have someone come in to share ideas with and, and to talk with and feel connected with and build that relationship with? And isolationism is a huge issue in Africa, it particularly. And uh, to be able to have just that, to have that other person to go there to partner with, to do that and to communicate with, to do a project, to accomplish a project, is, is a value that not a lot of organizations can offer. And, 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 and a student base and university students, and that particular is, is just is just something special about that 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 they that they can go in there with, with humility with not knowing all the answers but having those conversations and, and being a really effective vehicle to accomplish both those goals. You can find more info on Global Brigades, including a complete list of college chapters, at globalbrigades.org. Until next time, I'm Max Mauerman, and we are alleviating poverty through entrepreneurship.